Welcome to The New Way, the bite-sized podcast for leaders and executives like you who want to transform their organisation and inspire people to work in new ways. Forget stalled progress and disappointment from upstairs. Each episode, I reveal how to communicate your vision, drive change, and become the leader that everyone loves. No BS or fluff, just the practical info that you need. I'm Dr. Kate Byrne. Get ready for actionable insights, mini execution plans, and game-changing secrets from my 20 years in the trenches, supporting senior leaders to introduce the new way. (laughs) Let's get started. Hi, hi, and welcome to this week's episode of The New Way. It is fantastic to have you joining me. Now that we're well over the end of financial year hump, I'm wondering how you're going. I know what a busy time that can be for so many folks involved in change and transformation programs and that it can mean, you know, a lot of internal change within the change team, perhaps in terms of procurement activity, new people starting, budgets, new phases of the program, all of that kind of thing. Not to mention, of course, school holidays, lockdowns. There's been a lot going on. I hope that you're feeling okay with everything. I am thrilled to be recording this for you today from my home office. It's one of those rare, precious days where I've managed to carve out a good chunk of quiet, meeting-free time so I can dive into some focused work. Oh, feels like such a luxury. So settle in. This one's going to be a little bit of a chatty one. The topic that I want us to talk about today has been on my mind since a recent session that I had with my executive coach, where we were talking about my ideal schedule and designing what would work best for me. (laughs) So my coach was asking me about the things that I do to make myself feel energized and the things that kind of suck my energy, my priorities, my existing commitments, my boundaries and the goals that I have, all of that kind of thing. It was a good conversation. You know, it felt like we were focused entirely on me and my preferences and, you know, that's okay. But I wasn't feeling like the conversation was particularly important or that the actions coming out of our chat were going to be particularly urgent to implement. In fact, as we were talking, I was thinking to myself, yeah, this all sounds very nice and I might do it. I might not. (laughs) Just, you know, full disclosure there. Setting up my calendar this way would be nice, you know, in terms of what we were talking about, but it didn't feel like it was an urgent priority. It's not going to impact anyone else. But then my coach said something to me that made me sit up in my chair and see things with new eyes. She said, Kate, everything you do and don't do sets the tone for your team. They will follow your lead, whether intentional or otherwise. Your behavior and your example in every element is creating the culture of the business. I had become so focused on myself in the conversation that I had forgotten for a moment about the ripples that the way my calendar is set up and run, the boundaries and the behaviours that I actively demonstrate day to day, I had forgotten how all of that kind of ripples out across the organisation as the leader. 
I think it is hilarious <laughs> that I needed this reminder given the work that I do. But, you know, I guess it's true what they say. We teach what we most need to learn ourselves. <laughs> and while I can easily identify, guide, communicate and apply this stuff with clients, of course, it can be harder to get that insight into ourselves, can't it? Now, as a sidebar, this is actually one of the reasons why I think it's so important to work with a coach. Personally, when it comes to building and growing my team and my business, I want to be the best leader that I can be. I want to create high-performing teams, high-performing organizations and workplaces where everyone is doing their best work and really genuinely loves Mondays. And so creating opportunities to receive and reflect on those types of insights is really important to me. Anyway, since then, I've been thinking about organizational culture more than usual, if that's even possible. <laughs> and I thought this would be something interesting for us to talk about today. My perspective is that organizational culture is relevant to every single change initiative happening in your organization right now, even if you don't think it is. I promise you it is. Stick with me in this conversation and you will see why. You always need to understand the organizational culture to inform your strategic approach to change management and the change journey for your transformation or your reform program if you are serious about delivering change adoption. Now, of course, culture is a complex, multidimensional concept, isn't it? And there's a lot to say on the topic. Today, I'm going to share the way that I think about organizational culture and I'm going to break down the easy two-step approach that I use to define good culture. I had my little air quotes there when I said good culture. <laughs> okay, let's dive in. Let's start by defining culture. I love the way that Caroline Taylor explains culture in her book, Walking the Talk. She says, culture is what you do every time you make a decision. Culture is what causes your projects to run over budget, your strategies never to be implemented, your customers to get frustrated and walk away, and your business to be blind to major threats until it knocks you over. Culture is your business. It's not something you have on the side. When you understand that your organizational culture is reflected in every single decision that everyone makes, well, you know, it becomes obvious that the corporate culture impacts everything we do. And of course, that includes any change initiative or transformation or reform program, whatever you want to call it, that you're seeking to deliver. Now, change doesn't happen outside of culture. A change management or transformation strategy that is designed without the organization's culture in mind is just really unlikely to work. <laughs> Even if it seems like the gold standard and industry best practice, you know, when you just read it by itself, context-free. By the way, for the record, I reckon that when it comes to change management and corporate communication, there's just no such thing as industry best practice without taking into account organizational culture and the context. It's just not possible. Alrighty, so let's talk about what good culture is. A lot of people talk about how to define success when it comes to culture. So here's my take on it. I think that, you know, folks usually like to rattle off genetic responses to that question. They like to say stuff like a highly engaged employee population or attracting and retaining top talent and 
creating a sense of belonging. Now, of course, these are each useful categories for key performance indicators about your organizational culture, but they all feel a little bit too vague to be genuinely useful to me when I'm supporting clients to define what good culture looks like for them. These aren't useful to me because culture is always an absolutely unique expression of your organization, yours alone. For example, what one government department defines as good culture for them might be completely different and not helpful at all for another agency. I don't think that there's any hard or fast rules or universal key performance indicators when it comes to good culture for that reason. Instead, what I do find useful, and I hope you will too, is my two-step or two-pronged approach to defining what good culture looks like for an organization that I use. Now, here it is. The first step or prong about defining good culture is one that enables organizational strategy, purpose, and business objectives. I know I just said a lot of words. I'll say it again. The first prong when you're thinking about culture, is setting a culture up in a way that enables organizational strategy, purpose, and business objectives. This is about being super clear on the organization's purpose and strategy and making sure that the culture, in terms of the values and behaviors and workflows and norms and all that good stuff, are alive in the business and making sure that they are as closely aligned to the big picture strategy as possible. And like I said, exactly what this looks like will be different for different organizations. For example, think about how a department that has a focus on service as their core purpose and strategy could bring that to life in their decision making, in their leadership behaviors, in their reward and recognition program, in the way they run meetings, in events they host, in experiences they support, and even volunteering opportunities they promote that align with their purpose. An example that immediately comes to mind for me, because I was watching it just the other day, is the British Armed Forces and their long-standing relationship with Wimbledon. Stick with me, this is random, I know. (laughs) But did you know that servicemen and women have the opportunity to volunteer as stewards at Wimbledon each year? Now, as I understand it, they are supported by the Armed Forces but they are unpaid volunteers. I've heard that the servicemen and women do it because they feel a lot of pride volunteering as stewards at that event. The 300 volunteers from the British Armed Forces always wear their uniforms while they're volunteering at this globally recognised event. It's televised everywhere. And by the way, Wimbledon usually coincides with Britain's Armed Forces Day. And I've seen the crowds at Wimbledon give the stewards spontaneous standing ovations in acknowledgement for their service on those days. How special is that? Now, that example might seem small or even random to you, but I bet the opportunity to volunteer and demonstrate service to the community in action is absolutely aligned to the purpose, strategy and objectives of the British Armed Forces. And by that organisation promoting that experience and um, promoting that volunteering opportunity, it really demonstrates that the enabling values are aligned in their organisational culture in a way that you may not have realised until now. 
Now compare that with how a different agency whose core purpose and business objectives is perhaps about supporting Australian innovation and industry might create the facilitating conditions for a culture that is aligned to that overarching purpose and strategy. There are a thousand different ways to align the culture to best enable the organisation's objectives. For example, maybe the organisational structure or design could be set up in a way that mimics industry, maybe role titles inside the department rather than being really super public servicey could mirror equivalent role functions and levels in private. So, for example, maybe referring to someone as a general manager instead of an assistant secretary, that type of thing. It could be that the values of innovation, creativity and collaboration are especially aligned with the department's strategy and then knowing that, you'd need to focus on bringing them to life across the organisation. Perhaps that could involve having expert facilitators on retainer for workshop and brainstorming sessions. Perhaps there's a big focus and budget in place for outreach activities, connecting with and learning from industry. Perhaps the organisation's professional development framework focuses on capability uplift in areas like problem solving, stakeholder mapping and engagement, professional courage and having challenging conversations. Do you see what I'm saying? I hope these experiences are bringing my point to life. The key is that good organisational culture is one that enables the organisation's purpose and strategy, one where aligned values guide decision making and the behaviours that are displayed by folks day to day align with those values. You can see a clear line between the values that are alive in the business and the organisation's purpose and core strategy. Now, when you get this right, it is all around you. Every member of the team gets how their role works to help achieve business objectives and the core strategy. It's pretty cool. Okay, now let's switch our focus. The second step or prong I think about when defining good culture is about supporting a healthy workplace and a healthy team. (laughs) Now, to me, a healthy workplace is one that literally supports the well-being of its employees. This has to do with your safe and appropriate workplace behaviours and your work health and safety policies being underpinned by contemporary best practice, tailored to your organisation and genuinely alive in the business. This is also about things like your capability development frameworks and your performance management frameworks being current, solid and alive across the organisation too. This is all about the functional roles and responsibilities that sit firmly in your corporate division or wherever these types of enabling functions sit in your business. The idea here is that no matter how awesome your purpose and strategy and no matter the aligned values, norms and experiences that you've identified that were going to help you deliver against that purpose, (laughs) good organisational culture cannot exist in a toxic unsafe environment. It just can't. This is about the cultural markers any organisation needs in place to help their employees thrive, support high-performing teams and a sense of belonging and physical and psychological safety. Now, when these elements are really alive and pumping in the business, employees can't help but step up, engage and want to do their best work. That's what you're gunning for. For me, you always need to keep these two elements or two prongs in mind when you're thinking about organisational culture. 
even if you're really killing it and excelling in one of these areas. So, for example, perhaps based on this convo now, you're confident that you have a really healthy workplace, but you can't have what I define as good culture without excelling across both of those prongs, both of those steps. In case it helps you visualise how these ideas knit together for me, I like to think about aligning your culture by that first point, enabling business purpose, strategy and objectives as kind of running vertical, top down through the organisation. And then I like to think about culture as a healthy workplace, kind of horizontally running across the organisation. I hope that makes sense. So there you have it, my easy two-step approach to defining what good culture can mean in any organisation. I like to use this framework as a handy tool when I'm working with clients to map out and define good culture. And this approach also helps me identify what's already in place and going well and what elements might be totally missing, what could be improved in the organisational culture, that type of thing. Okay, let's sum up. My goal today was to have a bit of a chat with you and to share my ideas, offer you my two-step approach so that you can chew it over and see how it applies in your organisation as a change leader and to start a conversation about defining good culture. My take is it's not just a nice to have. The thinking that culture is something that sits off to the side, you know, that it's only the responsibility of HR or only about corporate division or it's a team in people branch, something like that, that is just ridiculous and outdated. Remember the definition that I shared. Culture is reflected in every decision you and all of your employees make. It is your business. My two-step approach to defining the ideal culture for your organisation comes down to First, thinking about culture from the perspective of something that enables strategy, purpose and business objectives. And then second, thinking about culture as something that supports a healthy workplace and team. For me, good culture is always about these two parts. You can't have great organisational culture without both elements and you can't deliver successful change adoption without understanding and taking into account the existing organisational culture. It is a must-have if you're serious about delivering. I hope that as we've been chatting today that you've been thinking about your current organisation in terms of my easy two-step approach to defining good culture and that it's offered you some interesting insights. I would love it if you'd like to share them with me. You can connect with me over on LinkedIn at Dr. Kate Byrne. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation today. I always love spending this time with you and I can't wait to catch up with you next time. Until then, have a great day. Bye for now.